All right. Good morning. Welcome. I get to hit the gong today. Yeah. I've waited all my life for this opportunity. Yeah. All right. Well, welcome. I'm going to invite you to just settle in and um, invite you to, to uh, join me in dropping into your heart in a way that we find most efficient for a number of us. And you may have your own. You may already be there. So just ignore me if you're already there. <laughs> just white noise over your, your heart experience. But if we can think of something we're grateful for and allow that thought to drop into our heart and allow that heart space to expand in joy and love and appreciation for no good reason, just because, because that's who we are. That connection, that, that opening of love is who we are. We don't have to earn it. We don't have to achieve it. We simply reveal it by relaxing and diving into our true nature. And so let us expand that heart space to reach out and touch one another energetically. And let us, let us use the Sufi practice of the golden thread. This beautiful ancient, ancient, ancient practice that as we embody love, as we nurture love for no good reason but simply to reveal that divine nature, we offer it unconditionally wherever it is needed and longed for on this planet. And so we are at that level of beyond words, to that vibration, it is a vibration. And I see that beam of love that is circulating this planet right now and finding the right places to land and it is vast and it is powerful and it is beautiful and it is generous and there's more than enough for, we cannot outgive the givingness of source. So with that said, I invite you as I sound the gong today to drop into 30 seconds of silence in love. In this very room, there's quite enough love for all the world. And in this very room, there's quite enough joy for all the world. And there's quite enough love and quite enough power to walk through our every fear for spirit, one spirit is in this very room in this very room in this very room so i invite you to allow my words to be your words in this moment and as we move into that practice that so beautifully articulates and 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 is a foundational piece one beautiful foundational piece of the the teaching of the science of mind in our tradition that we call affirmative prayer. And so I affirm and know in this moment in the I am, but understanding that there is only one. There's one activity that is the activity of source, of spirit, of love, of beauty, of harmony, of wholeness. 
And so as I stand here and I allow these words and I move from my intellect into my heart and back and forth in this artistic activity that Dr. Holmes so beautifully taught and modeled and demonstrated because it is an art and it requires both legs, the intellect and the heart. And so do I know the words guide the heart and give the, the prayer a direction. So I affirm and know right here and right now in the, in the generosity of spirit and the knowingness and the openness and the infinite possibility of the greater yet to be that each and every one of us is transformed, planting a seed of transformation, whether it be here today or somewhere in the near future. But it is here now, and I say yes to that. I do not need to understand it. I simply need to nurture it and welcome it and say yes to the greater yet to be that you and I have come here with a divine purpose to express, to be part of the solution rather than part of the problem, to heal our biases and our projections, to take ownership of ourselves, to recover ourselves in the beauty and joy and infinite possibility, and to live and stand in joy in beauty and in love. This is not a, a fantasy. This is not magical thinking. This is our opportunity. This is who we are. And so making the, the commitment to this on behalf of myself and inviting you to join me, I give thanks. I release these words and invite you to say with me. And so it is. So nice to be back. We were gone last week. I lost my voice for about five days, and I'm still uh, struggling a bit, so I've got my hand cleanser here. When you come out, I'm not going to be shaking your hand. If you're really adventurous, you can hug me, but you're on your own with that. And I'm just letting you know, so uh, I'll do my best, and I'll speak a little bit about that uh, as we go. But I, I have a lot of things I want to share, and when I go away, I always feel like I come back with uh, a lot of clarity. So, as that slide up there says, there's Dr. Ernest Holmes, the founder of our tradition, love casts out all fear. And we weren't, I wasn't here for um, uh, the week for Valentine's Day, but we're going to do a little Valentine's Day ceremony today. We are going to renew our vows today. Don't get nervous if you're not here with someone. It's not that kind of vow, okay? But anyway, so there's three things people are most afraid of. Uh, this was uh, articulated by British psychiatrist R.D. Lang, and they are death, other people, and their own minds. Now, some will say, well, I thought public speaking was the number one. Well, that involves other people, doesn't it? If it doesn't involve other people, you probably don't have too much charge around it. So I want to I speak to these things because fear is such a popular idea that we can actually die. So many people believe we actually die. Every great teacher that I've read from Ernest Holmes to Sufi masters to Buddha to Christ have all said that we don't die. We, we, we put down the body and we move on. What we take with us is our consciousness. So we can work against the system, we can work within the system, or we can work around the system. And our, our tradition and our movement is an opportunity to, to work around the system. In other words, do we get so politically engaged that becomes we're going to shift the system from within? Or is it that we get so engaged against it that we tear it down and destroy it? And I, that, those things are interesting, and I know there are possibilities, and there's plenty of people who want to do that. I would rather work around the system and say I believe consciousness is the most important place where we can have impact. So do you remember Buddha? Anybody remember Buddha? Buddha said this. Long before Ernest Holmes came along, Buddha said this. All we are is a result of what we have thought. It is founded on our thought. It is made up of our thought. If a man speaks or acts with an evil thought, pain follows him. As the wheel follows the foot of the ox, that draws the carriage. So Buddha said that 2,500 years ago, something like that. He also said this. All we are is a result of what we have thought. It is founded on our thought. It is made up of our thought. If a man speaks or acts with a pure thought, happiness follows him like a shadow that never leaves him. Isn't that the good news? So if we're miserable, what do we do? If we're unhappy, if we're suffering, what do we do? 
I mean, this is not new stuff. The Buddha was talking about this a long time ago. And we know it and we have it, and yet we continue to proceed getting, getting angry and upset and projecting and, and needing more to feel complete and needing to have a certain thing happen in our life so I can be happy and joy-filled. So, Buddha also said this, for hatred does not cease by hatred at any time. Hatred ceases by love. It is an old rule. But the problem that I, this is, I'm just gonna speak about myself today. My love is really puny. I got a puny love most of the time. I got to work at love. I was with Laura and I took a little trip and we, on the way back from Florida. They, they lost our bags. They canceled our flight. I got so sick I couldn't talk for four days in a horrific cold. And here I am saying, because people said to me, well, I don't do germs. Came in, I said, oh, I'm doing a little cold. I said, well, I didn't think I did either, but I guess I still do. But the, the amazing thing about being with my granddaughters and not being able to speak and not wanting to get them sick, sick was, it was it was really painful because you want to pick them up and they want to be picked up and hug. But when, they, when you're a year and a half and you're three years old, all you want to do is be adored and watched. So I could do that. I couldn't talk to I could kind of talk like that. I could croak out a few words, but it's, it's really the relationships, an energetic relationship that they want. And I thought, isn't this true for all of us? What we want to be is seen and adored and loved. Just because we are. And that's what I get to practice with them. And I realize I, get to pra- I can practice this more in my, my real life. Because all they want to do is be validated and know they're safe. Laura, Laura shared with me, Audrey, our three-year-old, was, always talks about the blue wolf outside. And Laura finally said to me, you know, what she's asking for is just to be told she's safe. We're going to protect her. And I thought, oh, my God, that's so simple. I don't have to analyze her. I don't have to tell her there's no blue wolf out there to deny what she, She's just simply having an experience and she's making something up. Imagine that, somebody making something up, our own minds. You're safe, and we're here to make sure you're going to be safe. So I want to tell you right now, you're safe. We got each other's backs. And the more in love we can be with ourselves, Carl Carl Jung, love Carl Jung. I'm going to use a little bit of Carl Jung in a moment here. Carl Jung said the hardest, it's easy to love other people. The hardest thing in the world is to love ourselves to truly love ourselves and cherish ourselves. And I'm paraphrasing because he said it's like holding a hot iron. It can be painful. Now I share that with you because I think that's true for me. And I don't want that to be true. See, I'm pulling for the love. We got, it, we got the other stuff, we got it down. We do. We know how to hate and blame and shame and guilt and all those great techniques that our parents used on us because that's all the tools they had. Somebody here told me a few while ago, my, my mother said, of course I shamed you and blamed you and made you guilty. It was the only tools I had. That's an honest assessment. So Carl Jung said this. Did you know there's four levels of love, according to Carl Jung? Why don't we get this in school? Why doesn't somebody say, hey, by the way, Carl Jung was a pretty bright guy, fairly revolutionary in terms of the human development, very much in alignment with spirituality, but of course that... But that would just trigger other people to say, ah, oh, Young doesn't know what he's talking about. He's one of those psychologists, psychiatrists. They just drug you up. Anyway, with that said, let's just for a moment give Carl Young a chance for like three minutes. Carl Young said this, four levels of love. First of all, we fall in love. Has anybody here ever fallen in love? Yeah. Yeah, we fall in love. And we do it throughout our life. We fall in love with the, the athlete or the, the cheerleader in high school or the, the girl in science class or the, or the, the boy in, in uh, social studies. We have a crush. And then we fall in love with our, 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 our Spanish teacher. And then we fall in love with... Uh, we go from the athlete to we fall in love with the professor. And we fall in love with the spiritual guy, maybe. 
whatever it may be. But that's, what, that's part of the, the first stage of it. And then what happens that around nine months into the relationship, if we do end up having a relationship with that individual, which no one ever tells us, as, as Scott Peck says in Road Less Traveled, we go through the cathecting, which is where we're, we're crazy because we've fallen in love. We come back to our senses about nine months later and we realize, wait a minute, this is all a projection. That's not the person I thought I fell in love with. Anybody ever had that experience? That's not the guy or girl I married. And what it is, it's the animus in the woman and the anima in the man. For men, it's the anima, as, as Jung talked about it, and that's the soul. And because we're incomplete in our soul, we look for it out there. And then we bring that, that, that person into our lives and go, wow, oh man. And you see it in movies, you complete me. No one can complete us, but that's the idea, that's the story we make up. It's great to know it, isn't it? No one told me this when I was in high school, falling in love with everybody. I was falling in love every week with somebody new. And it's so much fun. It's fun falling in love. And then nine months down, I already realized this is not what I signed up for. Number three, what happens is over time, if we can be in a relationship long enough, and I can speak to this so clearly because this is, I'm blessed to be in a relationship like this where we develop, as Jung said, a good, healthy, near-distant relationship so we can develop according to our innermost being. So we, we, we establish these relationships and then they shift and change over time. But it doesn't mean otherwise if we throw it away, we go out the door, we miss the opportunity for the third stage, which is really to have a, a, safe, a, a safe place, a place that you can count on to do this process of this near distant relationship so we can develop according to our innermost being. So in other words, that we are there in partnership to the, to the other person as well, to our own well-being and, and sharing that and supporting our partner in that. It changes everything. But how few, how few, what's the divorce rate? Over 50%? So people get to the second stage around nine months or whatever and they endure and they get angry and they get upset and everything else and they don't understand what the possibilities are. And if you haven't done any shadow integration, you're stuck in it because you're looking for the other person to fulfill you, complete you. And it happens in all relationships. And then the ultimate, the ultimate love, love without reason, unconditional love. And I believe that's the love that Dr. Ernest Holmes lived in. So in this wonderful book called How to Use the Science of Mind, which is right here, I've been, I, I have this with me all the time, it's dog-eared, I don't think we have copies in the bookstore just because we don't, but if you'd like one, I'm sure that we can order you some. It's, it's a masterful book, it really speaks to the consciousness of practitioners. So I pulled out some salient points from the very first part of the book from how to use the science of mind. And and Dr. Holmes says this, in metaphysical practice, we arrive at this conviction through a process of thinking. It is he, she, us, has an intellectual understanding of this science. We will be willing to subject our minds to conscious self-training until there comes into our thinking a clear realization of truth, which the intuition feels and the intellect may or may not proclaim. It is about training our own minds. It's about training our own minds. It's not about blaming people out there. When we're blaming people out there, I'll get to that in a moment. There's a practice for that too. And it's an ancient practice. It's about training our own minds. Going, wow, look at that. So we brought the Q process in here. I was going off with my own mind this week. I get into this really, really wobbly state with all that cold meds trying to talk and sleep and all that. And it's just, it's, I, don't do, I don't do sick well. So I had, I had my mind going crazy this week. I mean, literally. It was like, I know what it feels like now to be insane. But I got through it. 
some help, some prayer work from practitioners, from my own prayer work, my own self-examination, which had burned like a hot iron at times. So, how do you use the science of mind? The basis for spiritual mind treatment is a conviction that man's life is pure spirit. Our life is pure spirit. You either accept that or you don't. And if you don't accept it, it's okay. You're gonna have your own experience with it. It doesn't make you, mean you're in trouble. It just means you don't accept that. The practitioner recognizes the spirit at the center of his patient's being. So when you come to me for prayer, and I do a prayer here, I'm recognizing the divinity in each person here. And I don't have the opportunity, as Holmes says in this chapter, to make it personal. That goes out the window when some comes to you for prayer. The ego, the personalities, goes out the window because the divinity is called forth. It becomes a sacred space. The presence is more than a manifestation of God. It is God in that person. There's God in you, and I see it, and I recognize it, and I celebrate it. And what happens for me when I do that, it gets activated in me because you and I are one. And then we're determining the, the, the feeling state and, 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 and the experience we're having in this moment. We're not letting outside conditions say, oh, this and this and this is wrong and this is wrong. No, this is the present moment. As Dr. Gary Simmons has said to us over and over and over again, you cannot go into this new paradigm, this new experience, dragging the old story. We had a beautiful call with him this week. He says he calls it, he's working with another community. They have defined it as a cult of nostalgia. Falling in love with what used to be. What used to be won't get you there, personally. What used to be won't get me there. I have to acknowledge it and love it and bless it, but I have to be at the business of what, what, what is possible now. What is possible now? Because what worked then doesn't work now. That's the nature of it. Greater than, Dr. Holmes said, greater than fear is love. Love dissolves all fear, casts out all doubt, and sets the captive free. Love, like the river of life, flows through me and refreshes me with its eternal blessings. Love cannot be afraid. It is fearless and strong and is mighty in its words. It can accomplish all things through the inner light of that Faith in the all good, which fills my very being with a powerful presence. Love casts out all fear. Man, there's a prayer to get up and tie into every morning, isn't it? Because as we, because as we, what we declare, what we say out loud, we become. So one of my favorite uh, traditions on the planet is uh, the Sufis. Now the Sufis have been many times mislabeled that they are the mystical branch of, of the Muslim Islamic tradition. And basically, they're connected because geographically they come out of the same region, but they're not. The Sufis go long before Muhammad went into the cave. The Sufis were called the blanket wearers, and they're an amazing, amazing tradition. And Laura and I had the blessing a number of years ago to, to go to several uh, Sufi retreats, uh, meditation retreats. And by the way, we're really excited about being able to do this retreat again. Part of what's happening for Laura and I is we're figuring out ways that we can take our ministry out into the world. So we, we, you're helping us on-ramp this. And we want to spread the word and we want to go to other communities. And I want to I take what I know and what we're doing here and I want to let other people know that, that, that a new idea is possible and it's on the horizon. And it's not easy. It's, it's heavy lifting. It's heavy lifting. But it's, it's so powerful and so beautiful. So... The Nazbandis have three practices and, uh, and all, uh, that are central. And they come from, from antiquity, and they come from Mrs. Tweedy. Mrs. Tweedy was Llewellyn Von Lee's teacher, and she's been a teacher of many teachers now. But the, uh, the, the Sufis are considered the lovers of God. They're just ecstatic. So Rumi, the poet Rumi, Sufi. 
Different, different uh, band, but a Sufi. So what they talk about is the golden thread. Every day, Mrs. Tweedy used to tell her students, you just bask in unconditional love and you offer it out to the world for three minutes every day. Three minutes every day, love in the world. Wherever love's needed, man, it's, it's there. Wherever it is, you just are an unconditional vessel of unconditional love. It takes work. It might take you 45 minutes to get into your heart to be that vessel. But that was their practice every day. Then 30 minutes per day rehearsing love, the feeling of love just for yourself, for no good reason. Because that's who we are. That's what we call forth. This is the love I believe Ernest Holmes was talking about as well. I believe Ernest Holmes lived this. And, law, and, 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 and what it, the Sufis also said, this is centuries ago. If something in your life triggers you, something in your life harms you in any way, internally, psychologically, spiritually, mentally, for longer than three minutes, it's your problem. Isn't that something? That's from antiquity. You got three minutes. If it's, it's triggering you, it's yours. So that's one of the reasons that we brought the Q process in. So how many people here did a Q process this last week? Yeah. If you haven't done one, you want to look at that. Because every time we do it, another, another layer is lifted off. It's called, so what, what Mrs. Tweedy said, because then it's about shadow integration. Here's a woman, this tradition, long before Carl Jung came along, but Carl Jung gave a, 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 a lot of language to the Sufis. They used a lot of his work to heal the projection, to heal that whatever is being stirred. Quite beautiful, quite powerful. As love enters, fear departs. As love enters, fear vanishes. I am so filled with love that no fear can enter my thought. I am not afraid, for I know that a perfect intelligence guards and governs my every act. Perfect love casts off all fear. I'm unafraid and strong in my faith in him who keeps me from all harm. Perfect love casts out all fear. That's Dr. Holmes once again. Beautiful stuff. It's from how to use the science of mind. The, now this is really, really crucial. See, a, a, an affirmative prayer is not just announcing. It's not just a bunch of words. And this is, there's a couple slides for this. So this slide is the mind must swing between meditation that's quieting the mind, closing the eyes, settling the heart, dropping into the heart. Through meditation, the mind must swing between meditation, conscious communion with the spirit. I'm going to go into meditation. I'm going to knock on the door. We must court the presence, as Dr. Holmes said. And action. And action. It's not just meditating to be a good meditator. It's not just calling forth the source to connect. Those are important. It's also to take action. It must swing between realization and statement. So when you affirm something in an affirmative prayer, it's an art because you've got to be in your heart and your head. And your heart is guiding the head. You've got to have that connection. There's one life, that life is God. That life is my life right here and right now. Man, there's juice in that when you play with that and stay with that. Between feeling and words, between meaning, which is interior awareness, and thoughts, which are the tools of this awareness. The beautiful, beautiful statement right at the end of, of uh, technique for practice in this book, How to Use the Science of Mind. And if you're interested, let me know afterwards and we'll get, we'll get uh, a number of them ordered for you. It's a, it's a treasure. Great, easy read. Wonderful treatments in here. Affirmative prayers. So he continues with this idea. He says, the words, the thoughts, the statements used in treatment give form to feeling. And while the conscious intention for which these statements are made gives direction to the treatment. So it is the feeling along with the declaration. Because what happens is we elevate ourselves, we're in our frequency. See, there's, there's only love. And there's gradients of love. The work of uh, 
They have David Hawkins, David R. Hawkins. He's passed away. Wonderful man. Did the calibrations of, of, of uh, states of being. But love is, love's up here at 540, as he says. That's an arbitrary scale. And most of humanity is around 200. Explains a lot, doesn't it? Anyway, but there's, it's not like there's love up here and no love down here. There's just a very little level of love down here. The calibration of love is like at 0%, 0.01. That doesn't mean love isn't there. There's just no opening for it. It's like we got our finger in the dike. I ain't letting any more love in because I'm too busy over here doing somebody else's agenda for them. I'm going to fix somebody. Holmes continues, in this way, feeling is caught in form. Feeling is caught in form. He's talking about love. He's talking about joy. He said our basic nature. Our basic nature is one of harmony and wholeness. Wholeness. Means all of us loving it all. The things we hate and we're embarrassed and shamed about. I came clean this morning with my puny form of love. That doesn't mean I'm gonna stay stuck in my puny form of love. No, I'm doing my I'm gonna be about the business. I'm just telling you, that's not gonna keep me from being about my business. And I don't want it to keep you from being about your business. Through definite intention specializes this feeling for concrete purposes. This is what is meant by letting the spirit bear witness to the words while the words give direction to the law. It's a combination. It's a flow, back and forth, head to heart, head to heart, head to heart. It's an art. It is truly an art. My life was transformed by a woman that sat with me in a little church in Southern California, tiny little church every week for a couple years. And I would go in and I would argue for the limitations. And she would laugh and say, okay, because she wasn't buying none of it. That's what practitioners do. You can tell them their story. As soon as the practitioner starts believing your story and your limitations, get a new practitioner. And you guys should just be buddies and pals and hang out and complain. But she wouldn't let me do it. And it was beautiful. And I have her picture on my, my office wall because she's with me all the time. She's here with us right now. She's a beautiful, beautiful person. But it's an art, and you have to art, practice the art. So there's time for a new vow. You guys ready? To, to assist all of us in fulfilling our divine human purpose in this lifetime. So I'm going to invite you to either sit or stand if you're willing. So let me read you the vows first, okay? So you know what you're getting into, because you may not want to enter into this relationship. So this is in celebration of of Valentine's Day. So today I'm gonna invite you to renew, all of us to renew our vows to ourselves, because this is the only never-ending relationship we will ever have. I promise, so what I'm gonna invite you to repeat after me, I promised to love me and cherish me always, to recognize my divinity, to be supportive and understanding, to be honest and truthful about my feelings, to treat me with honor and respect and to give me the highest and best of myself at all times. I promise to thank God every day for the gifts of my love. The possibilities in this declaration are unlimited. Knowing with God, all things are possible. So that's a vow. Are you willing to take the vow? Awesome. Yeah. Just like we're doing a wedding here, once in a while I'll bring a poem to set it up. 
I'm going to read you the last paraphrase in a, or a last uh, phrase in Living Together by David White. And uh, because of time, I'll just read the last paragraph. He said, In this light we hunger for maturity. See it as not as stasis, but a form of love. We want the stillness and confidence of age, the space between self and all the objects of the world honoring and defined, the possibility that everything left alone can ripen of its own accord. All passionate transformations arrange only through innocent meetings, one to another. The way we see resin allowed to seep into the wood in the wood's own secret time, we intuit our natures becoming resonant with one another according to the grain of the way we are made. Nothing forced or wanted until it ripens in our own expectant hands. But for now, in the busy room, we stand in the child's first shy witness of one another and see ourselves again, gladly and always, falling in love with our future. It's an opportunity to fall in love with yourself and fall in love with your future. That's where the juice is. Love your past, love your history, embrace it, incorporate it. And let's give birth to something that even the infinite intelligence of the universe would be dazzled by. This is our opportunity. If you came to our meeting on February 3rd, we shared the information with you. And this is an opportunity. It's a wonderful opportunity. If you weren't there, we'll we'll get it to you. We have uh, communications going out. It's a wonderful opportunity for our community because no one's going to solve this. We're going to solve it together with one another. That's why we're here. It's, a, it's, a, it's exciting to see what unfolds. All right, you ready to t- take your vow? Here we go. So today we renew, renew our vows to ourselves because this is the only never-ending relationship we'll ever have. I invite you to close your eyes, hand over your heart, and please repeat after me. I promise to love me and cherish me always. I promise to love me and cherish me always. To recognize my divinity. To recognize To be supportive and understanding. To be understanding. To be honest and truthful about my feelings. To be honest and truthful about my feelings. To treat me with honor. And respect. And to give me the highest and best of myself. At all times. I promise to thank God every day for the gift of my love. The possibilities in this declaration are unlimited. Knowing with God, all things are possible. And so it is. You may kiss your bride. <laughs>